Trish Bartlett glanced at her watch as she hurried up East 83rd Street, a quarter to six. She was not late, but she didn't want to be either exactly on time or the first to arrive. She slowed her pace and lingered at the Korean market on Cynthia's corner, where she appraised the cut flowers, the irises wilting and fading, the last roses of the season already shedding their petals. She settled at last on a pot of amber-colored zinnias that would, she decided, make a festive centerpiece for the dinner that marked their first book club meeting of the year. But even as she paid for it, she regretted the purchase. Knowing Cynthia, there would be an expensive flower arrangement, color-coded to match the table linens and china. That was Cynthia's style, a casual elegance, easily achieved with a flash of plastic, and the knowledge that May, her housekeeper, would be on hand to clip the stems and position the vase in exactly the right place on the tastefully set table. Trish balanced the flowers and shifted her briefcase, grimacing at its weight. It bulged with the files of patience, which she was determined to update that night. There would be little enough time after the book club, after Jason's swift bout of passion, a given on nights when she returned late from a meeting, an assertion of his power over her, compensation for his moody solitude, after comforting Mandy, who inevitably, perhaps instinctively, wakened when her parents' lovemaking had reached its weary climax. Still, the patient records had to be completed. A state inspection of the hospital loomed, and her regular hours were overscheduled, hardly allowing time for the inevitable emergencies. She had dealt with two that very afternoon, a thirteen-year-old girl whose self-mutilation had escalated to what appeared to be an actual suicide attempt, and an anorexic Sarah Lawrence student who had collapsed in her dorm, unable to speak, unable to stop weeping. I chose the wrong profession, Trish told herself bitterly as she waited for the light to change. Cynthia made the right choice. Damn her. She spoke the last two words aloud, and the harshness of her own voice startled her. Cynthia, after all, was her friend, her very good friend. Just whom are you damning? Jen, who must have been walking just a few paces behind, sidled up to her and grinned mischievously. Although she carried her own oversized leather portfolio, she believed Trish of the briefcase so that she could hold the zinnias more easily. Jen, don't sneak up on your friends like that. I was just thinking about some idiot at the hospital who screwed up a diagnosis, Trish lied. No biggie. She stooped slightly and dropped a kiss on her diminutive friend's head, pleased to have these few moments alone with her before the frenetic rush of hugs and breathless greetings as the members of the book club reconvened after the summer hiatus, each of the women clutching a much-underlined, dog-eared paperback of Anna Karenina. Of all the members of the group, Trish felt closest to Jen, who was never demanding, never confrontational, as calmly acquiescent in interchanges as she was with Ian, her longtime partner. You look terrific, Jen. How was the summer? Elfin, smiling Jen did look wonderful. 
The sun had brushed her skin to a rose-gold hue, and her short dark hair curled around her head in a helmet of ringlets. A coral-knit dress hugged her small, compact body. Not bad. A couple of good weekends, and a really boring stretch at the Rhode Island shore. Ian had a sudden urge to paint seascapes, and someone lent him a shack near Westerly. So he painted, and I read Anna Karenina and tried to keep the sand out of my bathing suit. Do you think the lovely Anna ever worried about getting sand up her crotch? If she did, she wouldn't have talked about it, Trish replied, laughing. Count Leo wasn't too strong on intimacy between women.